everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. So I promised you guys a surprise, and I could not think of anyone better than the one that we're bringing on today. Fantasy queen, intelligent, pretty, you can't beat a better British rose than this. So without further ado, please, everyone, welcome Sarah. Hi, I wasn't expecting that intro. (laughs) (laughs) I do this all to everybody, so don't worry about it. Uh, my director, he, uh, the friend, my director friend, he totally gets flustered every time he comes on the show <laughs> because I do right, the same cool. to him, and then he's like, he's like, oh, I don't know what to say now, and you can see his eyes just get huge, <laughs> and he's like panicking, you know. Um, so yeah, I do it oh. to everybody. It's kind of like a a rite of passage, so to say. Cool. Well, you definitely got me with it, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least I said your name right, so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I did that yesterday. I screwed up somebody's name. I was desperate. Oh. I practiced it, practiced it, practiced it with my American friends, and then they were like, no, that's not even close. And I'm like, God. So, yeah. yeah. I do try, though. I do try. <laughs> People don't think I try on this show, but I actually do. I do try. <laughs> so, tell Absolutely. us about your book, because you've got one coming out in October, you thought. Or did I uh, Yeah. Hopefully September, October. Um, so basically it's the second volume of a 
volume series that I started writing in lockdown uh, back in 2020, yeah. amazingly. Um, the best way I can describe it is it's basically a series that it focuses on a cute but psycho killer maid who's ter- cleaning up the mean streets of Neocastle uh, using a razor broom and anything else household that she can get. Um, it's very different from what I previously wrote, uh, but right. very fun because of that. And yeah, very cyberpunky. Very, if you're from Newcastle upon Tyne, which I am, um, or nearby, it's, you'll recognize a lot of the places, a lot of the scenarios. Um, in but that's a good and, thing because, like, all of us put all like parts of us in to the stories. Yeah. And I think, like, no matter where we've been or the places we've seen or the places we've traveled to, like, it's our experiences goes in, and that's what makes the story feel more realistic, and you connect to it more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was good fun creating it. It was like choosing all the locations and like working out how to get from one place to another, and then be like, right, hang on, which way is this going to go around? In it, like in a place that's like I know, but it's like several thousand years later. Yeah, all exactly. this neon lights and Blade Runner style, and like, what am I doing to myself? <laughs> I know but that feeling when I when I do my stuff. I'm like. Oh, what did I just sign myself up for? Oh, (laughs) you know, like that awkwardness that you get when you're just like, oh, for God's sakes. (laughs) Yeah. Or nine times out of ten, it's more like, um, right, I've got to this point. How do I get to the next point? Oh, wait. Co-writer, what do I do with this? (laughs) That is exactly what I say to mine. Like, I I will email Joe a question and I'll be like, so, Joe, I've written this scene, uh, but I'm stuck now. I've written myself in a corner. What do I do? And he laughs at me and he goes, right, you went off the cliff crystal into the into the ocean. I'm just going to, like, pull you back up, put you back on the road, and then we'll, we'll continue on from there, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I was like, but I would, like, I would not be able to it. do... Yeah, I couldn't do a big series without him. I honestly couldn't. Yeah. Well, like, this was, like, my first, like, challenge to myself to actually do a big-ish series. Um, yeah. So it was, like, it was very new ground for me. It was, like, I'd always wrote, wrote um, like, fantasy and, like, supernatural and that sort of stuff before. So going yeah. into cyberpunk, it was a bit like, I know what the genre is. I, I've followed the 80s movies. I know all that lot. It's got the anime reference in and stuff. At times it was just like, uh, Kurt, how am I supposed to kill this guy with a broom? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Those are the kind of questions I ask too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Mine's is all like because I'm putting wrestling scenes in the book because a lot Mm. of stuff like happens at the wrestling shows. I'll be like to him. So if a girl gets felt up in the backstage area and it's kind of noticed, what do they do? And then they have to kind of (laughs) like. And then it's like, okay, so we're going to tell you, but it stays behind this wall and you can't tell people. And I'm like, okay. And then I have to kind of come up with a creative way of writing it down without exposing the secrets. And I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. It's a challenge. It's a very good challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoy it. I I really do. It's good fun. It's also just like trying to work out, like, can, like, write. Am I going a bit too Geordie? Am I excluding people? Uh, nah, I'm not. Oh, is this reference? Does it make sense to you? Is anyone else going to get this reference? Because 
there's a lot of homages. Well, I mean, it has a good thing because you're, you're, you're using your accent, you're using your history to set kind of the, the world feel to it. And I think yeah. that's really important because, like, I had the same feelings, like, when I was doing um, my fantasy that comes out on September the 30th, it's my first one of eight. So, like, Ooh. I actually need to go write number two, actually. It's on my list. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, I told you the other list that I'm on, so I'm, like, jumping between yeah. two lists at the moment. So, yeah, like, I, I had to set the entire scene, and it was, like, I literally said to John, like, do you think I can get away with Welsh in this? And he's like, well, isn't the witches Welsh? And I'm like, yeah, they're Welsh. And he wasn't co-writing this with me. He was just talking to me as a friend. And so I ended yeah. up putting the Welsh stuff in. But it does, it, like, it adds that kind of layer you know that connection layer for other people but it also yeah. gives like the general reader that idea of what it would sound like and what it would feel like yeah i have I had fun doing that it was more it was more like just trying to get the balance between like not going into like too grand specifics but also like trying to work in yeah. like well, well basically one of the best ones i ever i do try to work in it's not in a volume that's coming out anytime soon um I basically was trying to work out how to get um, Jurassic Park into it without copywriting myself too much. Um, and I kind of yeah, managed that could be it. that could be and, difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's 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 very vague references. It's like if you think you know this, you do. Um, and I had the greatest fun like writing that section, sending it to Kurt, and be like, "Can you work out where this is from?" And he was like, "Thankfully, he knew me." He was just like uh is it this one or this one i was like yeah thank you <laughs> i like that because yeah. like movie references is part of our pulp culture it's part of our culture so like it yeah. kind of grounds people as well because then they're like <gasps> and it adds to the world effect because then they take whatever they've taken from the movie and it comes in and you can sort yeah. of bounce off of it i think that's really an awesome idea and i keep encouraging writers like who listen to this show don't be scared to like just push the boundaries out and see where it goes yeah. and don't be scared to like just run with things you know yeah so the best piece of advice i got given when i was in my early years of writing when back in uni back in the day um i can't remember who said it to me it bugs me to this day who said it but i always remember it was always be a fan and at the yeah. time, I was just like a bit like, eh, when I first heard that. But it's like, yeah. always be a fan of your work. Be a fan of other people's works. Be a fan of the wider world of works and all that lot. Because as much as writers, yes, we like our originality. We like things to be amazing and wonderful and new. There is always that going to be that element that is, um, we are fans. We, we Writers are typically known as vagabonds, stealers, backstabbers, and all that lot. Connors. So yeah, yep. yeah, we will. We will take stories. We will rerun, rewrite them in our own way. We'll change up the styles. And as long as you're a fan, and as long as you're aware of it, and not trying to claim it, I think it just makes it a lot better because it's yeah. just like you can sit there and go, "Oh, I recognize that reference. Sneaky one, like it." <laughs> um, yeah, so like, like I, I mean, I feel like that every time that I'm doing mine because there's little tiny references that only wrestling fans will get but every normal reader of the contemporary fiction will be like oh the drama is amazing and then i've got wrestling <laughs> fans that are doing like the elbow thing going we know what you did there like we saw it you know and i'm like Shh, don't tell the wrestler you know <laughs> like 
<laughs> I'm sure the wrestlers know. Like, I'm sure they're like, oh, Crystal's at it again. But, uh, you know. Uh, it's like in my very first book, there's a reference I put in um, that was deliberate uh, that no one's ever picked up on because I, like, I keep quite quiet with how it happened. Um, but it's a reference to the TV show that was the original inspiration for the original fan fiction I wrote for that book. <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so it's just it's a one-off throwaway line of like, kind of, aren't you supposed to be watching this TV show? And it's actually the TV show that was originally the cause of me writing the Blood and Book eventually in the end because it started off life as a fan. I love that. Yeah, that. yeah. I still write fan fiction to this it, day. I love. And it. I love fan fiction. Like I would have never gotten into writing if I hadn't been like a fan of what I love. Like. Yeah. I, I literally grew up with, like, somebody throwing me, like, educational DVDs on writing and, like, world creations. Like, I was so lucky that my my best friend at the time was so into one particular performer. Because they, they would come in with DVDs and they would just throw these DVDs at me. Mm. And I was usually too sick to argue with them, so I'd be like, okay, and I'd put it on. <laughs> and then I would listen to this guy talk for, like, two, three hours. You know, and he would yeah. tell me about character development and world creation and 3D and how you've got to have flaws and how you got to be a good guy and you got to have a bad guy. And he literally probably over the course of like 10 years taught me how to be a really good writer. And then yeah. I was just like, I had 19 and I'm like, I've got to do this for like, this is what I have to do. Like I won, I'd won two writing contests at that point. I'm like, no, I'm going to go into to publishing i don't want this to just nice. be like a weird hobby that i do and my husband was even like how could you put all these stuff together like how where does all this come from and still to this day he looks at me and he goes where the hell do you get this stuff <laughs> but it uh, is it's like one. you would you should know like just as well as i do is like you know we walk around the world and we're soaking stuff in all the time yep and then it's yes. like it's just weird to me, you know, like, it's not weird, but you get that kind of feeling of like, yeah, that kind of, yeah. Yeah, the basic way I always think of it is it's like, I'm sitting in a room playing with my imaginary friends and not being locked up in an asylum. asylum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very brutal way to put it, but I had arguments with people and some point I said that to someone and they were just like we are not doing that I'm like uh, yes we are <laughs> we are doing it though it's true yeah. like you know because like you you create these people that are technically better than people you know mm -hmm. and you run with it like yep that's the whole thing that's the whole experience and yep. I love it because like I create the world that I kind of want to be involved in or if I'm going through a fantasy stage, and I think we all go through fantasy stages. Um, yeah, probably do one myself. <laughs> yeah, but you go through it and you, you kind of like say, oh, I could really add something. Because in Britain, we have mythology everywhere. It's literally yep, everywhere. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and, it, and that's the thing. I grew up in the Shetland Islands where Vikings and Viking mythology is drilled into you from the minute you take your first breath. So, of course, my first, one of my first fantasy series is, was based on Viking mythology. Um, it was a little bit ambitious because I was trying to create three worlds running at one time. Um, 
boy, did I learn some lessons from that one. But I, I learned <laughs> that I could still do fantasy because everywhere you go in the UK, it's like you get hit with magic all the time. There's nowhere that there isn't a haunted house. There's nowhere there's not, you know, suspicions of something. You know, like it's yeah. it, it's everywhere, everywhere. Mm. Most of it for me, it's great because I live in the northeast of England, um, and I've been brought yep. up there. So it's like literally, I'm like, I'm like twenty odd minutes away from castles, like in virtually every other direction. Because obviously, there's Newcastle, there's yep. Annick, there's Walk uh, Walkworth. Uh, Chillingham, which went to the other day and did a ghost hunt on, and that was fun. <laughs> um, it is fun. Really fun. Like, people think it's weird, but it's actually fun. Uh, it's, e- it's even more fun because um, I'm just, I was what in the industry of the whole ghosting thing, I'm described as um, sensitive, so I pick up spirit energy really easily. Yeah. And yeah, Chillingham Castle, holy heck, they are not lying when they say that that place is filled. It is. That, yeah, that was really but then fun. if you think about all the history and stuff that went down there. Oh, you know, yeah. it would be impossible for it not to be. Yeah, um, but yeah, I had some fun in Chelsea Castle. Freaked out one poor guy who thought I was just being a bit overdramatic for things. And then we went into one of the rooms yeah. right at the top. Um, <laughs> and literally I'm sitting there. And then and you were like, oh shit, okay, yeah. Uh, well, no, I, start, I started shaking, like completely uncontrolled shaking. Um, and I, I was doing a little bit and mum was like, do you want to get out? I was like, oh no, I'll be fine. And they did the tipping table thing. Um, and the, there was a lass sitting next to me who had one of the spirit conductor th- things that look like they're from Ghostbusters uh, that was going off. And yeah. my mum turned to me and I was literally shaking as if I was having a seizure, but I wasn't. I was completely coherent. And mum was like, right, we're getting you out of here now. I was like, yeah, please. <laughs> Took us 10 minutes. Yep. So, yeah, that one was fun. Don't know what the hell was in there, but... It's, it's... Yeah, it's like weird because, like in Shetland, there it's just like being on the edge of the world because mm-hmm. everywhere you look is ocean. Yeah, and if you walk through the through, like you'll know where the moors, but like we've got peat hills, and it's just like if you step in the wrong place, you start sinking. So yeah. it's almost like that spookiness of walking across, and it feels like you're withering heights, except for you're in the very north of Scotland. It's very, very windy, usually very, very rainy, and you're like, yeah. I'm just trying to get home, I don't want to be bothered, and I I have known so many people that have seen ghosts, who've seen random men walking out of, like, the ocean, just yeah. up the cliffs and stuff, and they'd never come back. They, like, you know, we had psychics up there once, and they flipped, and they wouldn't leave their hotel room for a week. Oh wow! Because it was like they would not leave till their their ticket for the boat was ready, so they could leave. Because the Viking energy apparently was just off the chain. I can um, imagine. And Shetland's really known for smuggling as well. So there's all these mm. smuggle tunnels, and there's all this other stuff that goes on there. And. And the problem is everyone forgot where the smuggle tunnels were, so we've had random floor collapsings in shops where tunnels are under. Wow. So that's <laughs> been going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Shetland is, is one of the most beautiful places you'll ever see, but it's also the spookiest of places you'll ever go. Yeah. Especially oh, wow. when you come in, like as you come into the islands, mm. all the buildings rise out of the ocean. Yeah. It actually built into the sea. 
and it's wow. just that kind of you get that energy of I've walked into a Viking camp. Yeah. It's like you have that feel of oh crap. I love it. Yeah. But uh I can see why it's a little intimidating for the tourists. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I suppose that's like that's the thing of like Britain because a lot of people kind of go oh Britain's small it doesn't really have anything. It's like it does if you know how to look for it or you can just yeah. take yourself out the city and just suddenly be in the middle of the countryside very quickly. And people go, yeah. that's not possible. It's like, no, it's generally any city or any town in UK. You go like 20 minutes in one direction, you will be in the middle of a field. I can virtually guarantee yeah. you. Oh, God, yeah. London. London's a bit trickier. <laughs> London's Trick- definitely oh. a bit trickier. Not um, just a little bit trickier. It's like a whole fucking... <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> I went to London... Yeah. I went to London in 1995, and I have never been back. Oh, wow. I'm weird because, like, uh, well, I'm not weird. Well, I am weird. I'm a writer. Mm. <laughs> um, but no, We're I'm, all like, weird not... if we're writers. If yeah. you're writers, you're just weird. Like, uh, uh, l- let's get rid of that idea right now. Yeah, like... yeah. It's like, you're a writer. Yeah, you're in the weirdo club. Hi. Um, anyway, because um, I, like, adapt really well to places really quickly. Um, Same. So it's like, it's really funny that, um, cause I started going to London like by myself when I was like 16 to 18. Um, yeah. and it, literally for a period of my life, I was going there like every year, at least once a year. I've still got my Oyster card in my purse because like I infrequently go and yeah. it's really funny because it's like, I can go to London and have people asking me directions as if I'm like, I felt, cause I apparently make myself look like I live and work in London and I'm like, I'm from the northeast. Sorry, I can sometimes, most time, I can actually direct people to where they need to go as well, which is like, what the hell? It is weird when you um, could do that because, like, I've yeah. done it, and I'm from Shetland, but I stayed in Glasgow for a decade, and it's yeah. so funny because, like, I don't have a Glaswegian accent at all. Yeah. But if I'm in the city center, the amount of people mm-hmm. that will stop me and go, "You look like you're from here. Where's such and such?" <laughs> my geography is the worst yeah except <laughs> i can get them to where they're going in the city but if they ask me for outside the city no chance no no yeah. no it goes really wrong really quickly um and it's, it's the other thing that i do which really annoys my husband is i have a tendency to say oh it's only 10 minutes in the car and he goes 35 minutes in the car <laughs> and I go oh but it won't take long it'll take us an hour it takes me an hour to get you there and an hour for me to drive home you know like you just <laughs> wasted four hours of my day you know like things like that like he just gets super kind of like he's just like oh she has no concept of time or travel or yeah uh, my, my parents like to say that I've got the directional sense of a fish <laughs> I'm the same. Again, I'm the same. You put yeah. me in the ocean. I'm fine. <laughs> I can find my way. But you put me on dry land, and I'm like, uh, is that yeah. north or is that south or am I going east? Yeah, it's like it was quite funny when I started doing conventions back a few years ago. Um, one, uh, it was either my birthday or Christmas. I can't remember which one. My parents literally bought me a sat nav just to just like Sarah. We know what you like. Here's a sat nav. <laughs> use it to get to conventions so I have Sally Satnag <laughs> that whinges at me when I'm going the wrong way because yes I name inanimate objects because that's half the spice of life 
It is, it is. And I, I think it's so funny because for me, I have it on my phone. So like, I always wear headphones. Mm. Everyone, if you spot me or you recognize me, I have white headphones on. And uh, so I will have the sat nav pl- and it will stop my music to tell me a direction. <laughs> so I have it set up so that I don't even have to take it out of my pocket for it to tell uh-huh. me. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God I do, because the minor times I've gotten lost just going to somewhere that's really simple is insane. Mm. Absolutely yeah. insane. My husband's only now yeah. starting to trust me to take myself places and not get lost. <laughs> uh, I usually yeah. like to explore to like kind of like work out where things are and stuff in my own head so I can like get land- visual landmarks of like. I do the same, but he always worries yeah. I get lost and then I'm like phoning him going, I'm on such and such a street and I have no freaking clue how to get home. Uh... As it, so, yeah. if I'm in a city I don't know or a town I don't city or town I don't know, um, I'll have Google Maps out just to like wander myself back, yeah, uh, to where my hotel is normally. Uh, though when I'm conventioning, I'm normally like, I like, yeah, I want, f- I, I finish the convention, food, bed. <laughs> yeah, but you need to do that though at conventions because conventions mm-hmm. are so frigging tiring. Oh yeah, it's good fun. Actually, it's really funny. In September, I've got like three back to back. Oh, you're gonna <laughs> Two be dead. Reading, yeah, one, you're gonna be dead. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna be bringing you the coffee in September just to keep you going. Like, I'll be <laughs> handing do. you the cup, being like, "You're okay. Like, you're still alive. Don't worry about it." Like, I'll come from a signing and I'll be all done up, and then I'll hand you the coffee, and you'll be like, "Who are you?" you know? <laughs> oh, oh, no, question. It'll be my it'll be my artist friend Cat who'll be like, "Who's this?" I'm like, "Oh, this is the last I was talking to you on the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I've done that to, to be fair, days. I've been called worse, so you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it's quite funny because um, because me and Cat, uh, Cat's my artist uh for Dark Mitsessa. Um, we've been friends. She's been trading on the circuit for ages by herself, and it was really funny getting back into conventions because I stopped for a little while due to COVID, and then changing oh, jobs. COVID, and out COVID destroyed everything. Yeah. yeah, it did. Um, so it's been really funny, like kind of like me getting back in because she's got trader friends who are different to my trader friends because I was more trader table because I, I found out Sally didn't work for me really for author um yeah. weirdly in a lot of cases so I mainly went traders um so it's really funny that occasionally we'd go to events and I'd start talking to someone she's like who's this <laughs> and I'm like oh this is such and such from, from this one because it's normally yeah. a trader friend I haven't seen in like two three years <laughs> That that's so much like me when I walk through a romance convention and there's like every five steps I meet somebody and they have to have a 15 minute and this is me just checking in this is me just yeah. trying to get to the check-in desk you know and I'm like <laughs> hi five minute conversation gotta get to the room got to get to the room <laughs> yeah it was like oh, last year yeah last year um yeah. I went to one of the big events in Newcastle big anime event um, and I was just going as an attendee because I was working full time. Um, yeah. so I got, I, I only went for the Sunday and literally my mate was chatting on with us and I got to trade a floor, talked to one vendor who I hadn't seen, talked to the next vendor, talked to the next vendor. He walked off and left me for about an hour and a half. Cause I was just talking to all the vendors because mainly they were yeah. going, why aren't you here? Like, why aren't you trading? I'm like, cause I've got a new job and I couldn't get in on the trading schedule. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, I mean, yeah. it's like that because when we do signings and we do panels and we do conventions and stuff, it is 
as an author, it's insane because you get given a schedule and they don't care about your other life. Like, it's just, this is what you're signing up for the next three days. And it's like, they schedule in food, they schedule in where you have to be, when you have to be. And you honestly, you feel like it's a military operation and conventions are just the same way. Like, I've gone to a couple of wrestling conventions and I don't know how the wrestlers do it because they're, they do panels, they do talks, they do wrestling seminars and then they wrestle and there's the signings and photographs and appearances and all that in there too. And I'm like, guys, like I thought it was bad just doing a fucking book signing. Never mind what you guys do, uh, you know? So I have bad respect for them because I, I, I just <laughs> yeah, don't have the patience. Oh, definitely like full-time guests. I'm like, how the hell do you do it? Because, like, I'm just name mainly I just, like, get a trader table, have a books, and I'm just, like, kind of, like, come and get my books, please. And, like, who's the author? Yeah. Hi, I'm signing right here. <laughs> yeah, like, and and it, you know, yeah. <laughs> when I do the talks and stuff, I, I kind of freak out because in my head, I forget the entire story after it's written. I, mm. I always get that one fan that studied it. And I'm oh, like, oh, yes. my. <laughs> and you're trying so hard to remember all the details. And you're like, I should have fucking read this before I came. Like, you have that kind of notion in your head. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I had that. I had that uh, in my first book tour, my first ever book tour. And my co-author didn't make it. And I had to. So I was balancing wrestling fans who were disappointed. And then I was balancing real readers who wanted to buy it and get know me. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, that was like the hardest juggling act I've ever had to do. Like, oh oh my gosh. But saying that, I sold out in every store but two that we went to. I like, everywhere I went, 20 books went off the shelf. And it just, I just kept doing it like that. Like, I felt a bit like a used car salesman, like, (laughs) you know, hiding the book up and like doing the whole Mm -hmm. sign thing. But it worked because people came and they would say, right, okay, we'll buy it, but you have to sign it. And I would sign it. They'd go to the checkout, they'd pay for it, and then they leave. And it was just absolute mental. Like, I wish my co-author had been there because we probably would have, like, it would have been so much fun. We'd have had such a laugh. But, yeah, like, yeah. Th- that was my first tour. That was in 2014 we did that. And it was just insane. Yeah. Like, we did yeah. eight cities in two days. Bloody hell. Uh, I've never quite done a book tour or anything like that. Um, Yeah, but I'm like, I do the conventions, I enjoy them. That's where it's always fun, like, having people come back to your store and be like, right, where's the new stuff? Yeah. Have you written anything new? Why don't you have anything new yet? And I'm just like, "Um, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah, like, you you totally have to think of excuses and they're like, ah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm right uh, I'm there I'm with you, like, but now I can actually safely say to people, there will be a new book every month for the next three years, and I am guaranteeing that. You're insane for that. I mean, like, kudos again, eh? but, like, still, just like, oh, my head would explode. My head would absolutely I, I did feel like that to begin with, and then I was like, I made my um, I made my editor's head explode. So now it's not so bad because like I have a nice stack, and every so often when she emails me, I just send her something yeah. off the stack, and then she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But when she starts actually locking me into the series, I will, yeah, I'll be in trouble. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, it's like kind of like because I'm not on deadlines or anything at the moment. I'm just kind of like I've obviously got new projects on the go. Yeah, um, so I'm just like 
cuddling away with that at the moment and just having fun with them uh, whilst the Dark Messiah is underway because that's already written, it's been edited. And yeah. then my friend, um, my editor friend's been wrangled into it and just be like, I'm like, yeah, here we go. Just do this for me, please, every so often. Yeah, like, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've just started learning about street teams. Like, this is a whole new thing for me. And street, street teams? Yes, yeah, so street teams are people who go on Instagram and TikTok and all these social medias and they make funny little videos about your book so they, they promote ah. your book and then they get their friends to do them and then they kind of do these comical kind of things and that's how it, they start spreading and I had Ooh. no clue what any of this was and I am yeah, like playing catch up a like... year later like what but see if you've got people that do like cosplay and stuff they usually love doing all that kind of stuff especially if it's fantasy based and if you can talk like a couple of them into it then you can get a street team going and then the street team starts posting all these like like they'll do little scenes from your books and stuff you know and it really oh, pushes okay. it and it's it's really interesting like it's something mm -hmm. i never never thought of you know like yeah. i thought oh i'll start a podcast that'll be good for my my book sales or whatever and of course i didn't yeah. have any clue about how much work it would take or what i was yeah. getting myself into so mm. yeah i'm i'm still learning and i've been yeah. doing this as 09 so yeah and that, that's like, I did... that's our tip for the day yeah. writers are never not learning something oh yeah there's loads to learn like um i tried to do like a book talk kind of thing to kind of work and I, I just, I'm hopeless with social media. I am generally hopeless with sh social media. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh, but you have loads of time. You should be able to do it brilliantly. And it's like, yeah, unfortunately, in my job that pays my wage at the moment is I'm an outdoor activity instructor. That means I can work anywhere from eight to 12 hours with a bunch of kids, hauling yes. them up ropes, dragging them through obstacle courses, taking them into nature, getting them all... Um, listening situated. to my stories about trees and bees and bugs yeah. and all this really cool stuff and then when i get back in i'm either knackered or i'm like right i should really try and write but i can't be bothered because i've got to do this that and the other because i need this adult and sort out stuff and it's like sometimes i'm just like yeah, yeah. it's hard it's hard, it's hard to be <laughs> yeah but it's hard to be a writer who's not full-time mm -hmm who has a day job. Like, I have major props for writers like that because I was that two years ago. I was, like, a learning support teacher. I was writing an hour in the car before work. I was writing in an hour in the car on my way home. Plus, I was just started university. And honestly, like, I think I ignored my husband for a year. Like, thank <laughs> God he drove me to work every day because otherwise I don't think I'd have had a conversation with him. But it was yeah. like that. Like, it's not easy. And it's only because I kind of hit in with the right group of people that I'm able to do this full time. But mm -hmm. you still have that worry of, oh, my God, you know, I don't feel like doing it today. I want to sit and game all day or I want to clean the house or, you you know, because writers naturally, we procrastinate until somebody lights a fuse under our ass and then we finish. Yeah. And then we go, okay, yeah. we need to get this shit done. Like, it's just part of our human nature. And I, I hate having to be the motivator. If, if it's, there's a project and I'm working with somebody, I hate them being the motivator. But I will do the motivating if I think we're going to, like, totally overshoot it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really not easy to do this. Like, 
I say this all the time. Like, if you've got a full-time job, it is it is really hard to do. And you yeah. have to be so passionate about it. You have to really love it. And you have to really push hard to, to actually do it. And I think anyone that does, and anyone that does publish and does do the conventions and does do the circuits, I, I'm in awe of people like that. Like, 100% in awe. So I take my hat off to you, even though I'm not wearing it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's actually, it's been a thing that, like, this year I've been really, like, getting myself back on track with stuff. Because, uh, like, the last couple of years, COVID, well, obviously I wrote Dark Princess during COVID. Um, yeah. And then edited it before I started the apprenticeship that got me where I am currently now. Um, so it took me a while to, like, get myself sorted out, work out how the hell I was going to fit writing in. Um, and all that lot. So it's... It is a balancing act, and particularly because I'm like I'm not fixed hours, which was a real like change up for me. Yeah. Because uh, previously I'd always been fixed hours because I was an admin, um, so I was always like kind of like I would work this time, this time, and then I'd be off this e- I'd be off these evenings. I had the weekends off, so it was a lot easier. Now yeah. it's like I'm like I can work seven days a week. I can work twelve hours days like quite frequently. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I just literally don't have time to actually write um, at all these days and that's um, where the mad like, respect thankfully... i have for you comes in because i know it's not easy like i mean yeah. I, I was saying to you what my schedule was like before we started the show and you looked at me as if to say holy like you just like, suddenly realized like yeah and then and i was like saying, yeah. saying to you like i have to have everything on a timer system because if i don't <laughs> if i don't know what i'm doing one to two three to four like i would never get anything done oh. you know and it's and then when I have to bring other writers in who are not schedulers, and then I have to be like, right, yep. this is our schedule and we have to stick to it. They scratch their heads and go, but I'm too busy for that. And I'm like, no, you're not. This is how it works. You know, like you have to be super, <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've become mom, you know, where I'm like, it's one <laughs> o'clock. We have to have lunch, you know, like you, you just have to kind of go with yeah. it, you know? Uh, it's it's only quite interesting because like I said um, Kat my artist um, will occasionally like be bugging me uh, particularly when she's after artwork for like the newer volumes yeah and she'll be like kind of like because we've discovered that we have, I have a thing of like not fully describing clothes and stuff because like I don't want to be ending too much description time yeah um, but I have to remember when I'm doing the spreadsheet for her for the artwork to actually put the clothes in because as we discovered a tight-fitting top can mean several different things. Does it mean a polo neck? Does it mean a V-neck? Does it mean this? That, that? Does it mean a so crop top? Does like... she have her navel on show? Does she have her boobs nearly yep. hanging out? You know? Yep. Oh, I totally yep. get that. <laughs> I totally get You're that. You're going to murder me. Sorry, cat. <laughs> but no, it's true. Like, I, I did... I was doing... Uh, a friend of mine was going to get me a, a contract to do a comic. Fantasy comic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a scooby about how much description you actually need to put into that. Because you need to tell them what it looks like in order for the artist to draw it. Unless the artist knows you really well or knows the characters really well. But once you get to that point, Mm -hmm. when they really know the characters well, they don't have to ask you that. Because they just naturally know what you're going with. Um, But yeah, I totally get it. Like, I have this argument with film directors like i don't want to sit and think about every item of clothing a character wears from scene to scene but i understand when it comes to the 
the production script oh. itself, I have to put all the description in of like clothes and are they carrying accessories? What accessories do they have? Like, what car are they driving? What kind of car are they driving? Like, the research part, I never thought anything about. And now I'm learning, oh, shit, this is like, this is like another month of, like, stuff I've got to do now that I didn't anticipate having to do. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like for me, it was like originally I started off like my writing career, like wanting to be a script writer. Yeah. So I did a lot of like um, a lot of my classes and things like that were focused on script writing and like how you use the dialogue to effectively tell your story without show it without tell show not tell show not tell. But yeah. then also having the descriptions in the thing, but not going too descriptive, and so that was a little bit of a pain. Um, so it's like it's one of the things of like whenever I'm writing actual books now. I I always still have that slight scriptwriter mentality in my head. Yeah. Um. Of like, am I showing too much? Am I, am I making presumptions too much? Yeah. Um. Or oh, did I, I put enough context in? I, yeah. Have I put? Have I done? Have I overdone the clothes description? Is it boring? Is it interesting? Is it significant? No, it's fine. I've I've like yeah. I've got myself sorted out with that. Though <laughs> I do have to look. My mum's favorite quote. Um. Because I gave it to my editor. Yeah. Uh. Boo. And my mum's first, so I was talking to my mum about it. I was like, oh, yeah, Boo's got me at it, so she's going to have a look at it. Yeah. And her first comment was, have you removed the and things list? And I'm like, yes, I went through and checked that, ma'am, because one of my early things that is, there we go, say it. One of my early uh, tricks when I was first writing was to write, instead of like writing out a list of like, there were bottles and potions and books and da 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 da, um, I used to go and things. Yes. Forget to put it in the brackets. Yeah. So I would never go back to edit it. <laughs> I've done that so I'm like, too. I'm very yeah, I've been like cars yeah, and, and things. things. Yeah. I can't be asked. <laughs> I can't be asked to write it unless it's a specific wordplay. Have you done um, it with people so yet? Like, where you put uh, the, there's a crowd of people and they're wearing things. Because <laughs> I've done uh, that. Haven't quite done that. I've done that. The closest I think I've done to that is if there's lots of people, I'll just be like, kind of like the crowd or something like that. I'll yeah. like, unless there's like a specific person in the middle of the crowd or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like thankfully as well. So like, kind of like, I used to do a lot of um, forum based role playing. Yeah. Um, where I used to like write stories that way. So that got me out of the habit of doing it because obviously other role players needed to know where my character was, what my character was doing yeah. and how I hopefully wanted them to interact. Yes. And, that works there were some people who i absolutely worked brilliantly with that uh because it would really click and there was others who were a pain in the ass for that and it was just like sitting there oh i know and like, if i don't know. answer is really annoying i'm like yeah because i don't know how your character is going to react yes i <laughs> i've been there character. yeah i've been there i used to write the dance stuff like when i was a performer i used to write the dance stuff and it was like i was there when all these characters were created but as yeah. it, the, the industry grew and as the trend grew, I had to, I had like 50 napkins. I would take 50 napkins and I would put the name of each character on top of the napkins. And then I would give them the bullet points for the night. And then I'd tell them to go mm -hmm. away and they would come up in a line. Like I would be sitting at the end of the bar with the hood up so nobody could recognize me. Then I got a pen and I got a drink and I'm sipping away on the drink and I'm like planning the whole story. The amount of people that would mm. come back to me with, but my character wouldn't do that. 
was absolutely <sighs> ridiculous. Like, everybody did it at least once. And I would have to say the same yeah. thing to every single one of them. Shut up. I know your character. <laughs> I can think like you. I can even do you. So please go away. And then I would have to get myself ready. And then I would have to try and forget everything I've written for everybody else so that I could write my own stuff and hope to mm -hmm. hell I didn't forget it. You know, because that yeah. was like, it was improv reaction and in, it was like an improv reacting and reacting kind of dance style. So, oh wow, you know, you're doing Lapache, which is a very physical dance style, but you're also adding in the, the showdowns in the middle of the floor. You're doing jumps off of DJ booths and off bars and off platforms. And you have to be like, in my head, when I go in to do it, I have to clear my mind completely because I need to know where, where's the crowd? Where's my dance partner? Where's the guy that I'm dancing against or the girl I'm dancing against? You know, like you have to map it in your brain, but you have to be looking and listening all the time. So your brain can't think. And as a dyslexic person, your brain wants to think about everything else, but what you actually need to do. So it's very, yep. very, very difficult. <laughs> Yeah, and as, as dyslexic writers, <laughs> we understand this. Yep. But it also means we're a hell of a good oh, at multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the number of times I've, like... Oh. Yeah, my friends... <laughs> the way to make is I'll sit there and it's like, I've got, I'm typing on my document. I've got music in the background because I've always got to have music in the background. Same. So make me yep. focus on me writing. And then I've got a drink on the side. I've got my phone. Yep. I'm only allowed to, like, touch it if I'm getting towards the end because I set myself daily word counts because yep. if I... I, I have to I've have daily never, word counts. I've you know why I have to have daily word counts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I understand why you do. Yeah. Um, I find that, like, generally for a writing session, I only do, like, an hour or two max. Yeah. Um, But that's because I'm, like, working all the time. Yeah. So I, I've got myself... Um, plus, I blame NaNoWeMo. Completely blame NaNoWeMo. Absolutely fantastic thing. If you do it, brilliant. I love Lovely. it. I, I use Very it all the time. It. Yeah, I'm with you, girl. Yeah. Um, like literally, I haven't done it properly in years just because I've like I haven't had time. For no, it. nobody does. Um, nobody does. You like, can't do like, the fifty thousand words yeah. in a month now. It's it's impossible. I have done it before. I've managed it a couple of times. I've done it four years months, straight, like, and that's simply uh, because I tell everybody in the month of November to disappear till I have done it, <laughs> and then I reappear yeah. in December, and everyone's like, "So, did you complete it?" You know, because I, yeah. I have to just, like, push it so hard. And I, I haven't done it in a really long yeah. time. Well, uni mm -hmm. kind of killed that like, for me. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's one of the things I keep dibbling back in and out of it, but just full-time job, no. Yeah, it's not possible a full-time job. Uh, but it is but yeah, such so a helpful will... software, like, such a helpful yeah. website. Because it does make you go, shit, did I do my word count for today? Ooh, when was mm -hmm. the last time I checked in to do said word count? You know, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and plus, like, can I get in the habit of writing just that 1,666 words? Yeah. That generally is what I always aspire to. So, like, I'm, like, a bit flexible on it now because I'm just, like, I can't always write that much or if I write over. Sorry, I write over. Um, but just because I can do that roughly in an hour now. Yeah. Uh, just practice, practice, practice. Um, so having just that word count goal and even if it's absolute trash, it's still just a, I'll write between eight, I normally try to do like 800 to 1,600 um, as yeah. an average. Uh, sometimes I'll go above, sometimes I'll go below, particularly if I'm not, if I'm like, kind of like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it, I won't do it. 
but um I found that that really helped me when I was first starting because it like it gets you in the habit it's just like you don't have to take an entire day to write I've like kudos to people who do have to write every single day and like write like nine to five I'm like, I'm like yeah go for it enjoy it <laughs> um for me I'm just like that I can tell you the, the amount of times I have to <laughs> yeah the amount of times like I'll I'll get up and then I get up about seven and I say right okay I will speak to my friends for like two hours but what's happened now is they've all got different jobs so they're all on different times so like yeah. I get, when they're on during the mor when they're not on during the morning I cram my writing in and then I spend some time with mm. them in the afternoon or if they're on in the morning I will cram everything into the morning and then I'll work all afternoon so it really depends like yeah. and my and and then also I always have my husband to sort of factor in he gets me at night when I'm not writing anything because I can't write anything yeah. Because you have to have that time where you switch off. Because if you don't, you burn out. And that's what I, I'm oh, trying to teach people now. Because I did it to myself. I burnt myself out. So I understand. It is totally possible to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, kudos to you, though, for even getting the 1,600 words. Like, that, <laughs> I have mad respect for that. And you know, yeah, you know exactly what I take on every year. So, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was actually quite funny because um, obviously we've been working, uh, working like particularly during some months. It does get very busy um, yeah. at my job because summer holidays. Yay! Um, so we get yay, lots, yay we get, for like, teachers, not yay for you. Like that. Um, so it's quite funny. <laughs> uh, well, it's great. We get teachers coming in all the time. It's, it's, it's. I get a shout onto them as well. So it's like it's quite fun exchanging like that kind of knowledge as well because it's like. Being an instructor is very different to being a teacher because it's like, obviously, I'm not trying to teach them like maths yeah. or something like that, but I'm trying to teach them life skills that they can use later in life that they won't realize they're learning yet. Um, so I've had, I've, yeah, I've and they give you that weird teacher. look as if to say, Why the hell do I need to learn this? Yep. <laughs> um, Being the there, got fine. the t shirt. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's actually quite fun, particularly because, like, because um, on the center I am at the moment, um, or Pexham Way, um, I'm known as kind of like the uh the nature one mm -hmm. uh because i've got the extensive training in the nature sessions which is like explore woods uh mini beasts which are all bugs and beasties and sustainability yeah so i like i incorporate that into other sessions when kids are like kind of like oh my god there's a wasp and i'm like no it's a hoverfly and it's like how do you know the difference i'm like well because a wasp is actually bigger and you can see because it has a distinctive tail whereas a hoverfly is actually smaller um and you can't actually distinguish yeah. and the kids going what <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, too much this is what that will freak most people. Are like, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I'm, I know. I'm, I know. <laughs> I'm a bees. I love my bees. I wish I, I wish it, I could get a beehive. I'm not allowed a beehive. <laughs> no, no, they no, because then people get weirded out. I'm like with you on the like. I I get that. I get that. No, like it's uh, it's weird for me because I worked with kids with um disabilities. Oh yeah, and I did it because my. I mean, we're, we're the age of where dyslexia really wasn't a thing in the UK to begin with. Mm, and it took them so long to catch up. And I had yeah. to work, and I, I didn't want the next generation, like, you know, now that I'm fully grown, I was like, I don't want these kids experiencing, thinking all adults don't know what dyslexia is or, or feeling like, you know, we have to, that we're not putting everything together, you know, that we're not yeah. fixing things. And yeah, I was like, I, 
and that's why I went back and I was like I'm going to help my friends like I help my friends kids understand that you know we're not different mm. just because our brains are different and then I, yeah. I started working with kids that had like troubled home lives and I started working with kids that had autism and ADHD and I I was like oh my gosh the world makes so much more sense now like I didn't yeah. feel like the oddball <laughs> that we felt when we were in school you yeah know? uh it's like kind of for me it was I was extraordinarily lucky of um I got diagnosed when I was 10 uh, I did so I just got my diagnosis was, last year oh yeah I was I was extraordinarily lucky um yeah. because it, it was really weird when it happened um because I would like come home to my parents and I'd be like why can't I read why can't I spell yeah I could tell them the entire to I could like literally memorize a story that was read to me yeah and re- relay it back to them and they were like what the heck's going on here so I got tested by the schools and they were just like oh she's just a bit slow it's all right I got and that too yeah home, or no I got yeah. she's lazy so my parents oh, thought I, I was got, lazy, yeah. So, I got a bit slow. And then one of mum's work colleagues, I think, um, record was because mum was talking and obviously like, we just we can't work it out. And she went, yeah. um, take her to the Dyslexia Institute yeah, um, and they'll do a screening there and they'll tell you uh, either yes or no. Uh, went, yeah. um, went for the test and literally the last turn round and went, uh, what was the name of the two people who tested Sarah? And then rattled them off. I can't remember what it was. She went, right, their reviews are due for um, they're due for their annual review soon. They're going to get Italian too because Sarah is classically dyslexic. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I yeah. I think they knew really early for me, but because I, I stayed in Shetland, they couldn't test me. So yeah. I was in that awful situation of they knew I was, but they didn't know, like, well, how are we going to help Crystal? Like... So yeah. they gave me a scribe and they thought, oh, well, that'll fix the problem. No, it didn't fix the problem because, you know, you're stuck. You're, yeah, you're stuck you in you that, that kind of struggle and you desperately mm. try and make people understand you. And of course, they don't understand you. And then when you've got teachers who've never been trained in it and then they just think you're lazy, it gets yeah. worse because then you just don't want to try. But mm. I was lucky. Like, yeah. I, I had... I was in that awful position. I had to fight for mm. everything. Like, everything yeah. to stay in mainstream education, I had to fight for it. I had to to, to fight for every aspect that I, I went through. And I feel like it's made me understand what other people go through. Mm. And at least now, like, when I look at the kids, I'm like, this person will know exa- that I know what's going on. Like, I can safely look yeah. at them in the eye and say, hey, chick, I know this is hard, but don't stop mm-hmm. fighting because it's not worth it. Like, yeah, it's, and I, I, I now see it's not like that and it's so much better, but you still have mm-hmm. that moment of, eh, shouldn't, shouldn't they be, you sh- they should be talking slightly different. Like, you should be trying to, Put, you know raise them up rather than make them feel bad um yeah and it, i wish that it, it, that's gonna be like i think something that takes time we're not at that fully mm. they fully understand everything part but they're getting yeah. there they're getting there and i just i keep nudging the kids and saying it's okay they'll they'll get there we'll all get there just keep yeah. just keep going you know like mm. um and i think the great thing about me was they could, you know, and I was used as an example to many of the kids, 
um, they would be like, oh, you know, look at Crystal. She was dyslexic. Now she's like a full-time author. Like I, they used me as an example to almost say to these kids like, yeah. hey, it doesn't matter what you're going through because there is success stories, you know, like yeah. there's serious success stories out there. Like, and I think because they could point at me and be like, there's one made it so mm. much easier for people, like yeah. so much easier for people. Yeah, I must admit, it's like going to the conventions and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's so nice, like when you find writers or aspiring writers who are like, oh, I, I could never write it because I'm dyslexic. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, I am as well. And they're like, yeah. what? I'm like, I'm dyslexic. Yeah. Um, like I said, I got lucky. I got diagnosed very early. Um, I actually started me writing as well because I started writing fan fiction yeah. uh, when I was 10 years old. Because <laughs> um, of Cat's musical. My parents are going to hate me for mentioning that. See, um, for you it was Cat's musical. For me, it was wrestling and like drawing up my own <laughs> stories for the wrestlers and, and uh, fixing stories that I saw on TV. And I was like, mm, uh, you know. Uh, we all well, start out doing, doing fan like fiction. I mean, there's no, none of us that hasn't, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've actually still got my original Cats fan fictions. I don't. Because <laughs> I printed them off. One, I, I printed them, I thankfully printed them off and yeah. had them in a folder. Yeah. Um, so the, the ter- print-off's terrible and they were saved on floppy disks. Show me age now. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, same. So I, I was a floppy disk thing. girl too, so I'm right there yep. with you. Yeah, 90s babies. 90s babies, <laughs> yeah. And uh, of yeah, course, dial-up, dial-up, yeah, internet, People don't realize that, like, they think, oh, you're 34, you must have had all this tech and stuff, but no, we didn't! Yep. <laughs> no, we got there in the first bit and had to work out how the hell to use it, and like, why does this thing do what it does, and ooh, I can do this with it, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I pull so, like, my, I pull my hair out because I'm like, all the kids think that we've had this technology since we were young like them. And we're like, no, we went to the library. And then they're like, what's the library? Yeah. Or what's in, de- <laughs> did you ever get the one where they say what's index cards? Uh, no, I've never had that one. Oh thankfully. gosh. I um, had that one. And I was like, how do you not know how to use an, oh my. Yeah. Yes. Pain, it, pain. It was pain. weird. Cause like, yeah, because index cards to me are more like kind of like a method of using of working planning storylines, and people say, "Oh, I've got me index cards, so I can do that." And I'm just like, "Yeah, sure, that works for you." For me, it does not work. <laughs> so, because um, you're always hearing the things of like plan out your stories, make sure you know exactly where you're going, or plotter, yeah, yeah, and personally as myself, yeah, nah, I'm like, I I try and have like an idea. Um, like the fantasy epic I'm writing at the moment um, does actually have a plan um, yeah. I've already deviated from the plan I've managed to get myself back on the plan but I've deviated from it we all and do that, like, that yeah, that's, that's, just, to... that's just how it is like yeah. I plot shit out and then I'm, I'm like, like where did yeah. I go <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I'm like I normally like can like say I have a starting point I have an end point I have a couple of key points I would like to get to um characters yeah. go that way please yeah okay you found a dragon now great i didn't plan on a dragon in being in this cool fine we've got this okay yeah you go over there right okay can we come back over here please thank you yeah. and then right, you're okay, like you're like pulling your hair out because they want to go do something yeah. else and then you're like oh for sake yeah. and then people go I'm there 
why are you talking like these are real people? It's just like, because, yeah, generally characters are real people who live in your head and irritate you at the most inappropriate of times. <laughs> I've, I've, I do the one, and you'll understand this, where you, you're sitting and your friend's talking and you're, you're not wanting to tell them you're bored of the conversation. But your character starts, like, going, you could be writing me right now. You could be you could be sitting with a nice hot bath, that notepad of yours, writing that scene, making me feel oh so good. And then I'm like, and of course I'm staring off into whatever. Usually it's a person mm -hmm. in the corner who gets yeah. stared at. Sorry, whoever you are. And my best friend will be like, waving her hand in my eyes, like, hello, are you there? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like uh, a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, what did I just agree to? Yeah, uh, I normally get it. So like, kind of like if I'm at work or something like that, it's not as prominent as it may have been. Job, it was definitely prominent in uh, yeah. this outdoor activity. It's like I don't, I can't not be not focusing on what I'm doing. Um, yeah. So it used to be that like I used to be sitting there doing some pa boring old paperwork, yeah, or filing or something like that, and two characters guaranteed would be having the most interesting conversation in my head like literally talking away and all this lot i'd be like right i'm gonna remember this i'm gonna remember this and then i'll finish up that bit i would do whatever i would go home yeah walk the dog sort it out sit down in front of my laptop and it's gone guys gone I was like, ah. when when i had like because i worked in a bar so whenever it happened to be in the bar they were really nice to let me have a notebook in the bar and if it was quiet mm. i would make notes like, I would write notes yeah. down. And uh, my manager would send me down to do to do the stock, to switch all the stock over, right? So I would quickly yeah. hurry up, get all the bottles up really quickly, and I'd get all the beer changed over. And then I would sit for 25 to 30 minutes and just write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I I would, then they would stick their head down, and they would think they got them working super hard, and they'd stick their head in the hole, and they'd be like, hey, it's your break time, or it's smoke, you know, because I used to smoke at that time. Oh, it's your smoke break. Boom! I'd be right out, like, sitting outside, you know, <laughs> smoking my cigarette and writing uh, at the same time, or trying to find somewhere that the still open so I can get my dinner, you know? But I loved, yeah. I loved being at the bar, because I got so much inspiration just from the different crazy characters and i worked in one of those um youngish people bars so like oh, yeah. at a certain time <laughs> all the younger ones come in and then i of course i was only a year older than a lot of them so i'd be like nope can't serve yeah. you nope can't serve you nope can't serve you. <laughs> so like i'd clear half the bar so i could then like you know do whatever make sure everything was done yeah. and do like notes and stuff and yeah like it, I loved it for that, but when I went and I worked at the, I worked in a supermarket, it was different because you weren't allowed a notebook when you were at the checkouts, and oh, yeah, that was when the best sense. ideas would come to you because you'd just been talking to all these yep. like customers and stuff. Yeah, man, uh, I, I hate it. Well, you survived the book and life podcast, wasn't that yeah, quick? I did. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that quick. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> thing about this show. So Whoa. we will have you back in six to nine months to hear about your new book and how it goes. Um, yeah. It's been an honor having you. Remember to hit me up with your Thank phone you. number so we can text when you come to Scotland. And I will bring coffee, yes, definitely. I promise. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so anyone who's listening, uh, we're talking about Acme. So yeah. if you're at Acme in Scotland, uh, September, 
I'm there, so come say hi. Yeah, go say <laughs> hi. Go get some books, and uh, you know, let's show out Glasgow. Let's 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 do this proper. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so guys, you want to be coming back next week as we've got another huge guest coming on, and you are not gonna want to miss them. But please, everyone, remember: don't do anything dangerous while listening to this podcast. Thank you, and good night.